Good morning. Hopefully everybody has had a great week. Uh, man, it's, uh, it is good. Welcome to Beecher Island. It's a great place to come together and unite. And, and um, I have to tell you, this last month or so, the Sundays have been coming faster and faster at me. Uh, it just almost seems like there's only a couple of days in between Sundays. It's good, though. Uh, it, it, we're, man, we're, we're having fun. Um, but uh, in that, it's good to gather with you. It's good to gather with, with all of you. And, and every time I come here, I, I just am reminded of what God's people look like. Human, but loving each other and lifting each other up and... and Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for, for coming every Sunday morning. Uh, for those that have been with us for a long time, longer than I have been here. What a, what a blessing. Thanks for the, the new people coming. It is it's truly a blessing. And I just say, um, it's truly a family that gathers here. And that's a blessing. And thank you for allowing my family to be a part of this family. Uh, and completely... Uh, feeling part of this family. Thank you for that. Uh, um, I, love this I love the fact that this church strives to be about the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. I love that this church is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And it's good. And I just want to say, if you're new with us, thank you for being here. What a blessing it is to have you here. But stick around. Let us talk to you. Let us get to know you and, um, and know who you are. So that is, is awesome. Uh, we're going to get it right underway. Uh, we've been in the Gospel of John for a while. Uh, and, and we're in chapter 11, but it's been so action-packed, I think anyways, that it's taken us a while to work our way through 11. And, and I, I love... Um, all that we've talked about, but yet there's so much more. And, and as we, we are on this journey through this gospel, there's so much that God is laying out. There's so much that God's putting on my heart and the detail of the gospel of John. And so I just want to encourage you to try to be here every Sunday. Because as, as we unpack and as we... Um, uh, uh, see the setting of the stage... As Jesus goes to the cross. And then the resurrection. There's so much to unfold. And so I just, I truly want to encourage you to be here every Sunday as we unfold that. As we walk our way through it. And the, and the details that are going to be laid out. In John chapter 11, Jesus has absolutely shown us that He is 100% God, 100% man. And in that we can see that He is the Son of God, the Christ. I said it backwards, but that's okay. It still means the same thing. And that's why I continue to go back to John 20, verse 31. It says, But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you'll have life in His name. What a scripture. And if it's not highlighted in your Bible, I hope it is. I hope it will be. Because it's a scripture we should all absolutely know because it is one I love. And I hope that you do too. Uh, so if you haven't already, open your Bibles at John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And uh, we're going to be in verses 45 through 57. But I want you to remember what's taken place already. 
I want you to remember what, what we've talked about just in the last week or two. Jesus had come to the tomb of Lazarus after he'd been dead for four days. Everybody knew he was dead. So much so that Martha said, don't open that, there's going to be a stench. There's going to be a smell. They, they knew that he was, was dead and Jesus says open it anyway. Jesus has him open the tomb anyways. But before he does that, he prays his prayer. This, this amazing prayer, not of petition, but of thanksgiving. A prayer of thanksgiving for all to be heard, all that were standing around there to hear this prayer. Then the tomb is open. And in a loud voice, he calls out Lazarus. Lazarus, come out! And then he's standing there in front of Jesus. And, and, and we talked about the grave clothes. And, and if, you, uh, if you missed that, I encourage you to go online and listen to that sermon. Um, Adam does such an awesome job. And, and I know he's talked this morning about sound system and the mission and everything else right here. It is truly a mission. The, the number of hits that are online, all you people online, yeah, I'm talking about, uh, that it's amazing. Over 100 every week. Um, it's awesome. Um, but in that, if you missed it, go online, check it out, um, listen online. But we talked about the, the grave clothes that he had on, and Jesus, Jesus told them, that those around, hey, take his clothes off, take his grave clothes off, unbind him, let him go. Guys, this was just a preview of the power to, 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 to be fully displayed in the final resurrection. Of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we can say um, in this when all the dead hear the voice of the Son of God and live. It's uh, Lazarus was absolutely dead, but yet he still heard the voice of Jesus. When we go to John 5, 25, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. John 5, 28, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice. There's so much there to unpack, but we're not going there this morning. But I just want you to see the depths of, that, that's getting laid out through the Gospel of John. Church, I'm telling you, I'm so excited about what God is revealing. And I want you to be a part of it. I, I want you uh, to, to be here and see the depths of the Gospel of John and what Jesus has done. I want to dig deep. And I want to spend our time digging deep as we work through the rest of John. As we work through the death and resurrection. Father God, I thank You that we have the Gospel of John. I thank You that it was written the way it was. We know that You worked in John to pen it the way He penned it. And we thank You for that. And I just pray, Lord, that You unravel the depths of, of what John wrote so that when we dig through this, we can see how awesome You are, God. How awesome You are. God, we praise You. We honor You and we thank You that we have Your Word and we have it so easily. And I just pray, Lord, that it's Your truth that be spoken this morning.
and not mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if you will, John 11, verses 45 through 57. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in Him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone, it says everyone, will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God. To bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to the region near the desert, to the village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and they stood in the temple area. They asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. Some depths to God's word right there, I tell you. Um, there always seemed to be a dividing line with Jesus and his teaching. It was then and it's today. There is absolutely a dividing line. It's a reality sometimes that I struggle with. It's a reality that I, that I struggle with in understanding why an individual would take a stand so against eternal life, eternal life with their Creator. I struggle with just wrapping my mind around that. I, I struggle with knowing that if we truly believe God's Word, that those who, who reject Jesus Christ also have eternal life, but in hell. Not because God hates them. Not, not because God uh, wants to send them to hell. No, He loves them. God loves those individuals who reject Him, but because they make the choice of not confessing Jesus, they make the choice for hell. And I struggle with wrapping my mind around that. You see, uh, the Jews watched this amazing miracle happen. That They stood there and watched this amazing miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And some believed. Some believed and, and knew that Jesus was the Christ. But others, and I believe a malicious intent informed the Pharisees of what Jesus just did. And it seems like immediately the Sanhedrin gathered together. 
And, and if you know what the Sanhedrin is, hang with me for a minute, but I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the Sanhedrin and, and, and answer some questions, maybe. You see, um, this committee would have consisted of the chief priests. The Sanhedrin would have been uh, former high priests and, and members of the high priest's family would have made up this court. Uh, but also, among them, it was also made up of the Pharisees. This concept is one that goes back to the Old Testament and when God commanded Moses in Numbers eleven sixteen. It says, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. Also in Deuteronomy 16, 18, we read, You shall appoint for yourselves judges and officers in all your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You see, the land was divided up, up amongst the tribes. It was uh, in those areas. The tribes uh, where the tribes were had their presence. In the village and towns, they were broke up too. And there was a, there was a court there, just like today. Just like all of our most of our little towns have a court system. Now, maybe it's the county seat, but a lot of towns have the court. It was the same setup there. Um, Kind of crazy how the numbers broke down. I wanted to share this with you. If there was 120 men of households, then uh, there was a Sanhedrin. But in that, if there was less than 120, it kind of broke down a couple of different ways. Uh, there was either three judges, if it was a small town. If it was a bigger town, there were seven judges. And then they ruled as a judge and jury on all legal matters. But then we have the great Sanhedrin, which is talked about in John chapter 11. The great Sanhedrin was the supreme court in the judicial system, if you want to say. Um, and they met in the temple in Jerusalem, and they would meet uh, every day except any time during a festival or on the Sabbath. And, and so this court was made up of 70 men of the high priests. And a high priest, I should say. In Jesus' day, the 70 members were dominated by the chief priests, and virtually all the priests were Sadducees. You see, the Sadducees worked to keep the Romans happy. That's what they did. Uh, they, they cared more about that. They, um, most of their decisions were made to keep Rome happy. And so in that, they seemed to be more concerned with politics than they were with religion. The Pharisees made up the minority of the power. But they had the power. Because the common man liked the Pharisees, they didn't like the Sadducees. And that's why they were Sadducees. Y'all missed it. I told my wife I wouldn't do that. <laughs> See, but the Sadducees were a major part of these 70 men who made all this up. And so... Uh, You see, the Pharisees, though, couldn't take up anything for themselves uh, against Jesus. And so they had to go to this, 
the Sanhedrin to try to get something worked out here. In, in, in all honesty, the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated each other. They didn't want to be around each other. They, they set on different sides, except for one thing. The hatred for Jesus drew them together. The hatred for Jesus drew them together in this one action of trying to crucify Him. And we're going to get to see the Sanhedrin and what it's best known for as we walk through this. You see, uh, they had a series of mock trials. A series of, of mock trials that resulted in the crucifixion of Jesus. You see, I want you to understand who the Sanhedrin is as we, as we work through this so we can see that it is truly mock trials that they continue to do, we under, and we can understand why as we look at who they were. But as, but as they gathered this time, they asked a question. They asked a question as they gathered, and they said, what are we doing? For, for this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation." These guys were not willing to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They weren't willing to believe that. They weren't willing to, to see it. Even though Lazarus had just been raised from the dead, they couldn't open their eyes to this major miracle that Jesus just did. You see, uh, they feared, though, the Jesus movement, if you'll let me say they feared the Jesus movement. They even said, if we don't stop him, everybody is going to believe him. What a statement. What a statement, right? That they say everyone. If we don't do something right now, everybody will believe in him. And they thought in that, that if everybody believes in him, then Rome's going to come. They're going to, Rome's going to take everything away from us. They're going to take our, our freedoms away, our rights away, everything that, that we know. But see, they, they feared the Romans more than they feared God. Kind of hit home for me. Kind of hit home for me because, uh, I'll be honest with you, we're not in the same place, but I don't know that we're far off. I don't know that we're far off and losing some freedoms. I, I'm not sure where we're at if we take a stand for Jesus. I'm not sure where we're at if we take the stand for Jesus. Do we fear what the world says and does? So in turn, do we not take the stand for Jesus? You see, um, uh -uh. I don't know that I've ever saw our religious freedoms leaving us faster than they've ever. I, I've never seen this in my life. And it's becoming quite a concern for me. Never before have I ever seen the government and private companies taking away our religious freedoms. There is more uh, religious exemptions being denied today and every day for the last year than I've ever even heard about. 
yet they continue to be denied. And when your religious exemption gets denied, you have a choice. You can stand with Jesus and your beliefs. And please don't take this wrong that I'm saying anything about a vaccine is all about Jesus or not about Jesus. Okay, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you take a stand and they tell you you can't take that stand, now what do you do? See, they wanted their freedom, but it wasn't, wasn't a religious freedom. But I think in today's world, we're starting to lose religious freedom. And it's going to continue to compound. And at some point, we have to take a stand for Jesus. Opposite of what the Jews were doing. But do we take the stand? Do we take the stand for Jesus and stand strong in Him and not be in fear of what the world will do or say, but be in fear of our God? I don't mean to take a squirrel trail there, but, it, uh, but it's on my heart and I, and I hope that it's on yours. Uh, it's real today in our walk. It's real today in our life. See, uh, I want us to keep our eye on our religious freedoms as we pray and work through this. Stand for Jesus. Stand for Jesus. You see, we can't um, we can't allow our rights and freedoms, no matter good or bad, determine our relationship with Jesus. We cannot let it determine our walk. For our faith. And I want you to hear that this morning. Alright, I'll move on now. <laughs> Caiaphas was high priest. Caiaphas was kind of the, the main judge. He was the, the ruler over the Sanhedrin. And he speaks up. He speaks up and... But not on his own. It was through the power of God that he, that he spoke up. And, and he says this, You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. What a statement. What a statement that he makes. What a statement he makes as a non-believer, right? He is not a believer and he makes this statement. I think we can say in that that God uses non-believers too. He absolutely does. He, his will will be done. Period. And I think we can, we can see it right here. You see, Caiaphas didn't even realize the implications of what he spoke. He prophesied the death of Christ for sinners. 2 Corinthians 5.21 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. 1 Peter 2.24, And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds we were healed. You see, that's, that's exactly what Caiaphas was saying and didn't even realize it. Didn't even realize that He was speaking these words. Now I will tell you that some say that Caiaphas didn't realize the implications, but 
In that he spoke blasphemy against Christ. And God made his statement in the truth, saying Caiaphas was responsible for the wicked meaning of his words, but God directed the choice of his words as to express the heart of God in his glorious plan for salvation. And I say this, either way, it doesn't matter. God used Caiaphas. God used him. And he spoke through him. And our God is that big. That's what I love about our God. And then in verse 51 it says, He did not say this on His own. But as high priest that year, He prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And then it goes on. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. In context, it's a reference to believing Jews and the dispersion who, who would be gathered to come to the promised land and share the kingdom of God. As it says in Isaiah 43, 5-7, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, Give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Yeah. But in a much wider sense. In a much wider sense, this also anticipated the Gentile mission. It anticipated the Gentile mission. As Jesus said in John 12, 32, he said... And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. You see what Caiaphas said carried more prophecy than I think we want to give him credit for. Because we look at this, when we look at this on a larger scale, it sets the stage for the entire Gentile mission. And as a result of Christ's death and resurrection, both Jew and Gentile have been made into one. The church. So if you will, if you have your Bibles, turn over with me to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, because I want us to see this. I want us to tie the two together. Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. And when we look at it, and we, when we compare that to John eleven fifty two, 52, it blows my mind. I, I love what it does here. Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. It says, therefore, remember that formerly, formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For in Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, 
to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we have life. And man, I, I pray that as we are grabbing a hold of the depths of this, we see this. We, we see the depths and the detailed work that is being laid out in the Gospel of John compared to the rest of the Bible. And it just proves itself and proves itself and proves itself when you start tying all the Scriptures together as we journey to the cross. See, the detailed work of the Father is amazing. The detailed work of the Father sent His one and only Son, the perfect sacrifice to the cross, to be nailed to it. Nailing all your sin to it, to be crucified. Church, today I want you to walk out of this church. I want you to walk out of this church fully knowing what Christ has done for you. Fully knowing that Christ is taking your sin and nailed it to the cross. And you don't have to walk out of these doors with it. If you walked in with it, leave it here, okay? Because it's already on the cross. You're forgiven. You're white as snow. And I want you to walk out of here knowing that as we journey to the cross, that cross did that. Jesus being nailed to the cross took all your sins. The cross, the wood didn't have any part in it. It was Jesus. But He left Him there on that old rickety wood. And you can too. And you can too. And I want us to walk out of here fully understanding what the journey to the cross means. And the detailed work of our Father that laid it all out. It's amazing. And I want us to see the detailed work as we journey through this. So I'm going to invite the music team up. And I want to encourage all of you to make Jesus the priority in your life. You see, there were some that when they saw Lazarus rise from the dead, they made Jesus a priority. They said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God and I'm going to follow you. And others went the opposite way. Others made a decision to be malicious in their thoughts, to be of the flesh. And so I want to encourage you today to make Jesus your priority. And all that you do. I want you to make Him your life. The Savior of your life. And walk in knowing that it is because of Him that you have life. True life. Everlasting life. You see, He went to the cross and died for you. One day I hope to fully understand that statement. Because He took it all. And because of Him, I know even though I mess up, even though I fall short, I'm forgiven. And I can know that I have heaven waiting. I want you to know that this morning. I want you to know that and take it personal this morning. Yeah. But my question to you is, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God? 
Because when you believe that, you'll have life in His name. If you need prayers this morning, if you're, if you're coming to Him for the first time and you want to talk to me about it, man, come talk to me. If you need prayers for struggles in your life or whatever's going on in your life, if, if they're just it's weighing you down, I want to pray with you. The elders want to pray with you. We want to, we want to journey with you, okay? We're here to encourage each other and lift each other up. So if you need prayers as we stand and sing here in just a minute, come up and pray with me. I'd love to do that. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gospel of John. Jesus, I thank you for not running, not, not uh, using your power, because you could have used your power so easily to, to knock all of these guys dead. Just dead that we're trying to seek to crucify you, but you knew it was the journey you had to take. And we're going to see that as we unfold the Gospel of John. And I just pray that, that all that detail just unfolds itself. God, I pray this morning that nobody walks out of here hanging on to a sin. They lay it down. They lay it down knowing that you've forgiven them knowing that, that every wrong that they've done is forgiven. Lord, I pray though that in those wrongs we repent, we change our ways, and we walk in the newness of You. Lord, help us in that because we can't do it alone. We can't do it on our own, Lord. It's in You that we can. Lord, I lift every person up that is here this morning. I lift them up to You. Lord, I pray for, for great encouragement to just overwhelm them. I pray for joy to just fill their heart when they walk out of here today because of You, Jesus. Because You have given us the promise of eternal life. Lord, I pray we all confess You and walk in You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us if you would.